What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. As always, I am your host, Jack Vita. We are taping this episode of the Jack Vita Show on a Sunday, August 29th, 2021. Recapping a little bit from the world of baseball. We did have a little bit of college football action over the weekend. And our sports movie bracket here is chugging along. We got it all covered. The Yankees are playing some great baseball. We have a big-time Yankees fan joining us here in a second. Before I get to him, if you guys enjoy today's episode of the podcast and you don't want to miss out on our future content, which, by the way, just recorded our two-part college football preview, dropped both of those episodes last week. I spoke with former Suns player Alec Peters. Uh, We had a great conversation a little over a week ago. It was Actually, it was a week ago. I uh, talked sports with him, talked about life, talked about life in the NBA. It was a great time. And we've got a lot of good stuff coming up over the next couple of weeks. And really all throughout this fall, we are going to be dropping part one of our NFL preview this week. And hey, maybe if you're lucky, we'll drop part two as well. It's a two-part NFL preview. The AFC preview will be our next episode of the podcast. So make sure you guys are subscribed for that. And next week, I mean, we're getting really going with all things football because next week is kickoff of college football season for everybody. The following week is NFL week one. And so we will be recapping every weekend of football throughout the fall. And that gets going next week. So make sure you guys are subscribed so you don't miss out on any of that great content. All right. Let me bring in our guest for the day. Returning to the Jack Vita show for now. This is like the fourth or fifth time. It seems a diehard Yankees fan and great friend of the show, Jonathan JJ Jaggard. Welcome back to the program, my friend. (laughs) What's going on, Jack? Thanks so much for having me. Very excited. Uh, This is our first time catching up in a little bit. And uh, as we'll probably talk about the, the last time I got to see you, we got to go to a Sox Yankees game. A lot of fun. So a lot of baseball has happened since then. So excited to oh, catch yeah. up uh, about all that with you. Oh, yeah. And we got the Yankees on uh, Sunday night tonight. How about that? Yeah, I know. I'm excited. I'm actually just going to have to be following on my phone because I'll be at a little birthday bash thing. But uh, that's been a very fun series. I've got uh, I'm watching the Dodgers right now in the background for first time watching them this season. So kind of excited. to uh, First time. Yeah, I know. I don't watch too much NL. I really don't. It's just the only NL team I follow is the Cubs and then a lot of AL East. So, Yeah, not not worth watching the Cubs at this particular time. They nope. got uh, gave up a lot of runs this weekend. They gave up. A, there was a combined 30 runs in Friday night's uh, shellacking with, uh, I think, the White Sox. Won, it was something like 17 to 13 or was it 18 to 12? Something like that. It was a it was a pretty brutal baseball game yeah it was a slugfest it was a football score that they put up there so um (laughs) but yeah the all three games very high powered so all right jonathan so we have our sports movie bracket going on at my website jackvita.com which by the way you guys should all log on i write on that site and all the podcast episodes go up there as well and you guys can get on my email list so whenever there's new content it can go straight into your inbox. Well, we have our sports, the best sports movie of all time bracket. We're down to the Elite Eight. 
Uh, we're halfway through the Elite Eight. We got some matchups today, matchup tomorrow, and then we'll be down to the final four. So, Jonathan, I want to run through some of these matchups. I want to hear your thoughts. So, we had a couple days ago, remember the Titans versus the Sandlot. Who'd you, who do you got? Yeah, I mean, two legendary movies. Uh, to me, though, the Sandlot, I have just great memories watching that. You know, wanted to grow up and be a baseball player and, you know, having uh, similar experiences as a little kid. Um, so that that movie always has had a place very close to my heart. So that would have to be my pick there. Yeah, I think I like The Sandlot and I wrote about it this week. I think Sandlot's a good movie. I think it's fun. I think it's cute. But I think we're down to the point where, like, I want to see great, great movies. I don't think The Sandlot's a, a great movie. I think a lot of people enjoy it as like sentimental kind of thing like that. So, I mean, we'll be continuing with that theme as we go through the rest of these movies, but that's where I'm at with The Sandlot. I think it's a fun movie. I think it's cute. I think it's sentimental, but I don't think it's one of the best four sports movies ever made. Yeah, and I don't disagree with you, but a lot of these things, you got to vote with your heart, right? Yeah. So, to me, that movie captured my heart, so I'd go with that one. All right, fair. Okay, then we've got Miracle versus Field of Dreams. Uh. And that one, I'm uh, I'm gonna go with Miracle, uh, only because it was such an incredible, you know, part of our country's history. And not having lived through it, it's pretty awesome to be able to experience, you know, something close to that ride that they went through. So, uh, love that movie. Nothing against Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams game was incredible. Um, so it, it's good timing for them. I wouldn't be surprised if that uh, gets the win, but I would have to go with Miracle there. Yeah, I would also go Miracle. My one knock on Field of Dreams is I feel like there's parts of that movie where I don't want to call it nothingness, but it it just feels like, yeah, it, it kind of is nothingness. Like there's that whole scene where there's the school board and it's kind of like they're making a book, a whole point about book burnings. And I, I just feel like it's not really consequential to the plot of it's like where are we what are we doing with this i know that that's where he gets the idea that he needs to go find terrence Mann, but i just felt like that scene and the commentary of it it just didn't feel like it fit with the rest of the film whereas miracle is just a an absolute slam dunk the whole way through so what's your opinion on book burning jack uh the, save that for another podcast <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding <laughs> okay um, and this is the next one we have today's matchup: Moneyball versus Happy Gilmore. Jonathan, yep, Happy Gilmore, hundred percent. Moneyball is a very well-made movie. Uh, you know, I I thought it was a pretty unique movie too. Most of the sports movies I had seen previous kind of were, you know, they weren't from the the front office standpoint. So it was very unique, very good. But Happy Gilmore, you know, I think that uh, you and your family introduced that movie to me when I was a kid. <laughs> And it was, it might be the first Adam Sandler movie that I ever saw. And that, you know, just an absolute riot. So uh, I'd have to go with Happy. Yeah, this one was really tough for me because these are two of my all-time favorite movies of all time. And Happy Gilmore might be my favorite movie of all time for that matter. And I don't want to underscore just how good Happy Gilmore is because it's masterful in its own right. But again, we're getting down to the final four here. I think Moneyball is just, it's a better movie, to tell the truth. Even though I sentimentally enjoy, maybe I've, I've seen Happy Gilmore more than probably any other movie, 
I just think Moneyball is more of a sports movie than Happy Gilmore is. And I also think it's just a, a, a masterpiece of a film. So I would go Moneyball. Yeah, no, I respect that choice. I just love saying shooter. Shooter. <laughs> and, and, uh, no quotes <laughs> from Moneyball that I have, though. Adapt or die. I mean, there's some good ones. Yeah, I just haven't seen it as many times, I guess, same as you. But um, no, I, I respect that choice. I should also share at this point that I am going on Mario Lanza's movie podcast, uh, Staff Picks, and we're going to be doing an episode on Moneyball, and we'll be taping that episode later this fall. So a little plug awesome. there. Yeah, so check out Mario Lanza. He'll be on again this He'll probably be on sometime in September talking baseball on this show. He does a great job, and he's got a podcast for underrated movies. It's called Staff Picks, and he's about to crank out a lot of episodes, including Albert Destrade is going to go on and do Major League, which is the next movie that we've got in this uh, bracket. We got our final Elite Eight matchup taking place tomorrow, 42 versus Major League. Uh, Yeah. I'm going to be honest, Jack. I never saw 42. Uh, and I'm, I'm really sad that I haven't seen that yet. So I'll have to, uh, I'll have to eventually see that. And then what was it going up against? Sorry. Major league, major league. I mean, that's, you know, a fun one. I also think that you and probably your dad introduced that movie to me. So, <laughs> I, I mean, that's such a fun one. And I would have to go with that only cause I really enjoyed it and I haven't seen 42. Yeah. I think, major league if i had if someone put a gun to my head and they're like what's the greatest baseball movie of all time i'd say major league because as uh as fantastic as moneyball is it's not really an orthodox baseball movie as you mentioned so if you're just looking for like a pure scrappy baseball movie underdogs like major league gets the job done in that regard and 42 is a fantastic film but i would go major league major league is a classic Great minds think alike, Jack. Absolutely. So you guys can vote on my social media accounts at Jack Vita Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Make sure you check my Instagram story each day for uh, for new polls so you can vote. And we're almost done with these brackets. Um, so we got, I mean, we're almost finished with it. So make sure your voice is heard. Get out there and vote, my friends. All right, JJ, the New York Yankees are playing some fantastic baseball. Prior to yesterday, they had a 13-game win streak. They're out there in Oakland, and these are some really big games for both teams. Yeah. Uh, no, the 13-game win streak was an awesome ride. Uh, it was very fun. And as a superstitious baseball fan, I have to say that I take the blame for the loss <laughs> yesterday. Uh, every one of these games I've watched at least two or three innings of, and yesterday's game i was golfing and so i was not able to watch any of it so take the blame there but uh the yeah the teams are playing incredible um and it's always been really fun to watch everything's clicking you know judge and stanton are leading the way luke voigt coming back from uh he was i forget if it was COVID or injury but he you know al player of the week so that was fun to watch um and rizzo and gallo even though they haven't been producing much you know they they at the beginning uh, they kind of were, and so they brought a big lift to the team. Uh, and then the pitching, you know, you've got all these guys stepping up that we definitely did not talk about in our, uh, you know, preseason preview. Um, <laughs> but it's yeah, it's been really cool to watch, and uh, 
uh, and the A's, you know, they kind of been on a pretty big skid. Um, and so uh, they really need to figure it out if they want to find their way uh, in a wild card game. But, um, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a great stretch um, and really fun quality baseball that the Yankees have not been playing this whole year. So, um, but yeah, the past month has been great. Yeah. The A's, as you mentioned, they, two weeks ago when I saw you, we went to that game and it was, it was really interesting wildcard situation. At that point, there were several teams that were kind of jumbled up vying for the two spots. And since then, I mean, the Yankees, they hadn't lost in two weeks and then they finally lost yesterday, but the, uh, Oakland, because of how good, and part of it is you got to give credit. If a team wins 13 straight, you will go nine to four over 13. Well, they just took four games up on you, and now they're three and a half games back. Not not of the top wild cards, bet they're they're tepi- they're technically five and a half back of the Yankees, who now are in first in terms of wild card spots. Um, but Boston has slid back into the mix. Now there's still a lot of time left here. But these next couple games for Oakland, I mean, I should say yesterday's win for them was huge. And then if they're able to split this series and it was a four game series at home in Oakland, obviously they would have loved to take three of four and climb up uh, and catch up on the Yankees. But this is a big game for them tonight to try to salvage this series. Yeah, no, it's going to be great. Um, Obviously, national TV uh, a lot of pressure for their season. Um, and, you know, I, I think I'd rather play them in a wild card game than the Red Sox. Um, uh, I think that the Red Sox kind of have been, you know, they've just been cold recently, like when they previously were fighting for the best record in the AL. Um, and so I think that they've got a lot more on their team there. But Oakland can definitely, you know, get back on the horse and find their way in that wild card spot. So. Yeah, so what have, game you, tonight. what have you seen with the Yankees over this past month plus? I mean, because it goes back to a little bit right around the trade deadline and maybe a little bit before that, but they've been playing fantastic baseball. You mentioned they added Gallo and Rizzo. Well, Rizzo came over. He hit home runs in the first two games. And since then, in the entire month of August, he's batting 172. He really hasn't given them a whole lot. Now, obviously, as you mentioned, Luke Voigt has really taken off since that trade. So maybe they lit a fire under him, but what have you seen over the past month? That's just been so different for this Yankees team compared to what we had seen before that. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, there's two main things. One was uh, they had been pitching pretty well the whole season, but uh, they'd started pitching even better. uh, And it was really uh, coming from guys that, like I was saying, you hadn't heard of before. So, uh, one example is Luis Heel. Uh, he made three starts uh, and total of 16 uh, and some change innings uh, has not given up a run yet. Uh, so he set uh, a record, an MLB record for uh, it was three first player to ever have three starts uh, with a minimum of 4.2 innings and give up zero runs, something like that. So obviously not giving a ton of uh, distance in those games, however, not giving up runs. And so that was huge. Uh, um, and then Nestor Cortez Jr., who I didn't know who he was before this year. He's been <laughs> pitching really well for the past two months, really. Um, 
but he's got a sub three ERA. He's the one who pitched yesterday against the A's. Didn't have his best stuff, but um, he's been great. And the team's rallying around him. Uh, he's he looks uh, he's got this mustache that makes him look kind of like a Mario brother. Uh, and so they're called <laughs> him uh, Super Nestor. Uh, and they made T-shirts <laughs> and everything. That's been fun. Jameson Tyone uh, is kind of uh, getting back into his form. It really took him the first half of the season. Uh, and now he's been, you know, probably the Yankees' best starter over the past two months. Um, so that's been really cool. Jordan Montgomery has been solid for them. Uh, so, and then also out of the bullpen, you know, Chapman has kind of been faltering and then he was injured for a bit. But uh, instead of Chapman, you know, you've got Jonathan Loisega, who you may or may not have heard of, but he's been around for a bit. Yeah, I think we um, and, saw him pitch when we went to the game. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. We did see him pitch and he, you know, he's been, he was good last year, uh, but he's really become the Yankees best reliever this year. Absolutely incredible to watch. Uh, and then just the rest of the pieces around, you know, Wandy Peralta, uh, he's been very Who they got, by the way, Yankees. in that uh, Mike Talkman trade. Right. Which initially everyone was pretty bummed about because everybody loved Mike Talkman. You know, he's a great guy, worked really hard. Um, and so it kind of looked like the Yankees lost that trade, but they had too many outfielders and they needed relievers. Um, so he's been, he's been great. Clay Holmes, uh, he's been solid for them. Uh, and then other guys, Lucas Lickey has been picking it up. Joely Rodriguez, uh, and you know, they've been doing well when guys like Chapman and Zach Britton are underperforming. So, um, it, but it's been great to watch and, um, and then the offense, the second part, has been uh, performing closer to the expectations that they had coming into the season. Uh, and Judge has been, you know, a guy like Judge been playing well this whole season, but all of a sudden he's on an absolute tear. And now he's third in the American League in the OPS. So um, he, he was the starting right fielder in the All-Star game. Um, but it kind of seemed like he was having a good season and there just wasn't too much other right field production in the American league, but now he's having an incredible year. You know, Stanton has been on a tear. He had hit a home run in four straight games. Um, and, you know, Joey Gallo is, is kind of doing enough. Um, Brett Gardner has been having a fine season. Uh, they, I don't know if you've heard of Andrew Velasquez. He's oh, this, I have. Oh, you have? Well, good. Yeah. He's, he's been a fun <laughs> story. You know, Bronx kid who's been tearing it up at shortstop. And, you know, he may take Glaber's spot for the rest of the year when Glaber comes back because he's been playing better than Glaber had been. So, uh, and then, you know, the Yankees have been finding a way from catcher uh, between Gary and uh, Higashioka. So, yeah, it's been, it's kind of been just the overall level of play has stepped up. Uh, and most people were underperforming in the first half of the year. So, um, but yeah, there's a lot of good vibes about the team now, and now they're just trying to chip away at the Rays' lead. We shouldn't ignore how good the Tampa Bay Rays have been this year. And, I, you know, the Yankees deserve all this credit and all the attention that we're giving them, but there's also a level of, like, you know, the New York team's always going to get a little more coverage than the Tampa Bay team is, unless Tom Brady's playing on that Tampa Bay team. And the Rays... Probably a lot of people didn't know. They've won seven straight. They're playing phenomenal baseball right now, too, for that matter. Yeah. No, I mean, they're playing on par with the Yankees. And so 
obviously they've had an incredible team uh, the entire year and the Yankees have just gotten hot recently. So they built that lead. They deserve that lead. Um, so no, I, I totally agree. They don't get the attention and I got to give credit to you for sticking with the Rays uh, in your off season picks when everybody else was, was down on them. You, you stayed on that, on that train. So uh, credit to you. Thank you. Yes. And the, the Rays of course have the best, record in the American League at this time. Um, they're about five games better than the next closest team. They have a five and a half game lead over the Yankees. Do they have any more series together, JJ? Any big series? Yeah. Last series of the season is Rays Yankees. So if Where is the Yankees uh, oh I think it's at home. Um for the Yankees. Yeah, yeah. I think it's at home for the Yankees, but I would need to check on that. So, all right. Well, that'll be, that should be fun to watch. It's a really interesting race right now because, uh, it was, I should say it was a little more compelling a couple weeks ago when, I mean, I talked with Jake Poliga, I think it was three weeks ago and the NL East was, you had these three teams really kind of vying for the NL East crown. Um, and then in the American league, you had, Toronto and Toronto's not out of it, but they're six games back. Seattle's five and a half games back. Um, Oakland is three and a half back of that second wild card spot. I mean, that's a that's a sizable lead with only a month left, and we're right about to turn the page, move into September. Um, aside from that, I mean, it feels like things are pretty much decided. I think we have a pretty good idea. I think Tampa's going to hang on to that division lead with five. They're up five and a half. The White Sox are definitely going to win the AL Central. They'll probably clinch first. That division's been really bad. <laughs> and then Houston has, I think it's like a six-game yeah, six lead on Oakland. I cannot see Houston losing that lead. I mean, it can happen. Obviously, it can happen. But I think we have a pretty good idea of how this thing's shaping up. And really, I think the only... The only real question is who's going to be in that wild card game and where's that wild card game going to be played? Yeah, no, definitely the White Sox and the Astros, they're in great positions. I think that both those teams are going to be able to rest down the stretch too, which will be very helpful for their postseason run. I think that the Yankees are going to give the Rays a run for their money. I could see it coming down to, you know, the Rays have a two game lead going into that last series and the Yankees taking two of three, something like that. That's kind of the way I see it playing out. I don't see them uh, getting much closer than that. It is in New York, by the way, I checked. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, but it's it's going to be really, really fun to watch who gets um, those two spots because the Yankees could kind of regress back to how they've been playing the rest of the season. Um, the Red Sox could go back to how they were playing this season. So, um, And then, you know, A's uh Seattle and Toronto it's going to be a dog fight so I don't think that it's it's easy to call how that's going to end up yeah and then on the national league side of things it's somewhat similar i mean the NL Central we know, the Brewers are going to win that division they're up eight and a half on Cincinnati the NL West is very interesting because the Dodgers are only two games back and they of the Giants and the Giants have been leading that division really for all season. For most of the season, they've been in first place of the NL West, which nobody saw coming, which we've talked about in the past. However, the Dodgers are just two games back, and it feels like there's a switch 
for as good as the Dodgers have been, 82 and 48, if you look at that roster, it feels like they can still be better than they've played and actually win that division. You'd think that they would win the division based on how talented their roster is. And I think that's a little scary if you're the San Francisco Giants. Yeah. I mean, it kind of has felt like to me this whole season that we've just been waiting on the Dodgers to to overtake the Giants, right? You know, especially with the trade deadline acquisitions, uh, Scherzer and Trey Turner. That, that's got to be one of the uh, best trade, di- trade deadline acquisitions that we've seen in recent uh, history. Um, you know, you've got Trey Turner, who's an MVP caliber player, and Scherzer, who's got an MVP, uh, Cy Young, you know. So the, I completely agree with you. The Giants are a feel-good story for sure. Um, you know, I, I always kind of enjoyed watching those teams when they, were, uh, when they won three World Series in five years. Um, and I've, I've been to their stadium. It's beautiful. Um, and so I, you know, I, I'm kind of pulling for the giants. Uh, I'd love to see the Dodgers forced into the one game wild card. Uh, but my, I mean, I guess if I had to make a prediction, I would, I think that they're going to pull it off and take the NL West. And then of course that we can't ignore really the biggest story I'd say on the NL side of things is how drastically the San Diego Padres have fallen off here since the all-star break. Uh, They're now 15 and a half games back of the division. And I mean, the Dodgers have, by the way, a 12 game lead up on in terms of having that home field for the wild card game. They they're 12 games better than the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds, although they've lost their last two are, a game and a half up on the Padres. The Reds have overtaken the Padres. The narrative all season had been, well, the three best teams in the NL, or at least a lot of people said, I mean, it it looked this way before really the Brewers took off and the Braves took off. The three best teams in the NL all play in the NL West. And the thing that's convenient for the other divisions is that you only have to beat one of them in the playoffs because you're probably it, it felt like a foregone conclusion. Pick two of these teams. They're going to play in the wild card game. Either it's the Giants, Padres, Dodgers. Two of those teams are going to play in the wild card game. Other teams are going to win the division. And then that team that wins the division is going to have to play the winner of the wild card game. And then whichever NL East champ and NL Central champ you have, whoever someone's going to win that series, then you face the NL West team in the NLCS. Well, Folks, the San Diego Padres are free falling. And I mean free falling. They I know they've lost their two and eight over the last ten. It has to be an even worse record. It feels like they're they're losing every single night. Their rotation has been a lot of people thought expected it to be at least on par with the Dodgers. Some thought it would surpass the Dodgers in terms of how good it was going to be this year. The Blake Snell acquisition really hasn't provided what they were looking for from that trade. You Darvish definitely hasn't. He's back on the DL once again, and he's had an ERA north of six since around the time they started checking these baseballs. The Padres went out like a couple weeks ago and they picked up Jake Arrieta because they're like, we, we need some help here in this rotation. And when you're picking up Jake Arrieta and you're a team that's competing at this stage of the season, 
and you need rotational help, that's not a good sign at all. And then, you know, the other thing is that no one's really talking about. I think Fernando Tatis Jr. is no longer the leader for the NL MVP. He had been everyone's favorite. And I get, look, he was a he was a phenomenal in that first half. But since he got hurt, since he came back, I know a lot of people don't care about batting average all that much. But, I mean, look, he's got his 35 homers. He's played... And he does have a lot of homers considering he has missed a significant chunk of time compared to these other players. But I think in order to win MVP, you have to play a good amount of games. I actually think right now I would take Bryce Harper or either Freddie Freeman or Austin Riley for my NL MVP at this time, especially if the Padres miss the playoffs. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, all like Tatis, you know, he gets all the coverage in the world. Uh, and I think his first game back, did he hit two home runs? Uh, maybe he hit just one. Yeah, but, it was, it was know, impressive. He, yeah, it was very impressive. Um, but he, you know, he gets the the great coverage, so you, you know, you don't necessarily, uh, you know, look at the the whole argument. You know, a guy I like for MVP, a little dark horse. I would love to see if Trey Turner can finish the season really strong. Yeah. Um, I I think I saw a stat uh, when the Dodgers got him that no one has ever won MVP uh, when getting traded mid season. Um, so that would be really cool if he can uh, finish strong and, yeah. and make a push there. Um, and I'm just looking at uh, baseball reference. Now uh, baseball reference war leaders for the NL uh, first place by a mile is Wade Miley. Um, wow. He's up 0.6. He's at 6.4 war. Next highest is uh, Bueller and uh, and then Zach Wheeler, uh, both at five point eight. So, um, and I don't I don't think he gets talked about enough. You know, when you're no. on the Reds, when you're on the Reds, no. you know, you don't get that kind of coverage. Um, so that's I mean that's I think a a, a good point. It's going to be interesting to see who wins that, um, especially because there's not really a race at all in the AL um, with Otani. You know, I think a lot of people are not enchanted with batting average anymore. And I get it. There are a lot of other metrics that weigh into how you measure production. And I think for me, I don't think there's one statistic that you can boil down and say, okay, well that's, that's his batting average or that's his OPS or that's his OBP. And that shows how good of a player it is. I think you take each of these things and each thing is a bit of evidence and you, they're all ingredients into a recipe. And I look at all those ingredients and this year, Jonathan, there are only 10 players with a batting average above 300 in a year where nobody is hitting for average. I think average is more valuable. So a couple of guys that people are talking about right now, Max Muncy, he's batting 260. I mean, the power numbers are great. OPS, OBP, war, his war is like 5.4. All that looks good, but when you have a... I mean, this is a stiff field. And you have right now... Tatis Jr., by the way, he's hitting like... He was batting above... He was like hitting like 320 for a good chunk of the season. He's down to 276 right now. And that's... Look, that's a really good average, especially in today's Major League. But if I'm talking MVP, Bryce Harper leads the National League in OPS and OPS+. And he's batting 299. Uh, Freddie Freeman and Austin Riley also have the OPS and power numbers, and they're both 
in that same uh, territory. I think Austin Riley is actually hitting above 300. Um, I don't think Riley will actually be a legitimate contender just because he's kind of a guy that, you know, he hasn't gotten a lot of media coverage. People don't really know who he is, but he, I would be, I'll be disappointed if he doesn't, if he doesn't finish top 10 in NL MVP voting this year, because he's been a top 10 NL player. I mean, I'm talking about him as a potential top three NL player. Yeah. Uh, and this is so fun, right? Cause when you get a race like this, where there's no clear front runner. Um, yeah. I think, I think more than, you know, half of people will be surprised with whoever wins the MVP, which is great. You know, and that means it's been, it's an all around league. Um, you know, you look at, there are teams that are dominating uh, and there are teams that have more guys in that discussion, but uh, no one player is running away with it, um, which is, you know, as an AL fan, it kind of is unfortunate to uh, to see one guy just running away with it <laughs> right. because it's fun when a player makes a run at the end of the season. So like as a Yankees fan, I see the run j- the judge is making right now. Uh, and it's awesome because it's, it's putting them into the conversation but the conversation to get down ballot votes, right? Not to actually win. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's <laughs> it is, it is exciting to watch. And I mean, maybe I end up going with Freeman and as a two-time MVP because, I mean, the Braves are leading the division by I think four and a half games over the Phillies. Phillies probably at Phillies can make the playoffs. There's still time in that NL East. I don't. I wouldn't say that that division is far from over, but I think there's still enough time for the Phillies to win that division. I would not count them out. I think that one's still, it's too early to call too close to call. Uh, so we'll see. I think that NLE's battle could end up determining who wins the MVP in terms of the Padres. I mean, what is your, you you obviously you watch a lot of baseball. You live out in Arizona. You're not too far from San Diego. What's your critique of this Padres team that has not lived up to expectations? To be quite honest, yeah. Well, you know, one th- funny thing that I think of is I've got a friend who lives in San Diego, and him and I throughout the first half of the season we're talking like, oh yeah, I got to come watch these Padres. You know, It'd be <laughs> great. Let, let's pick a weekend on the calendar. Uh, and then they started their free fall and, you know, his texts were still more like, Hey, you know, you want to come see him play? And I just kind of wouldn't respond because I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to watch this team play anymore. So, I mean, can I, can I pinpoint one exact thing? No, you know, I don't think it helped uh, when, you know, Tatis was down for a while. I think that he's a kind of guy who is an emotional leader in the clubhouse. So that could definitely play a part of it where someone like him goes down, uh, and you lose a bit of your swagger. Um, and we see in today's MLB, it's, it seems, you know, it seems like that uh, kind of that swagger and confidence element is a huge part of uh, the league today. Um, so, I mean, it could be a bit of an identity crisis kind of thing. Yeah. I, I think they've, I think part of it is they did. I think the thing, Jonathan is this is, I wouldn't say to be expected, but this is not uncommon for teams such as the Padres. I mean, last year when we were doing when we had COVID and there was no sports to watch and we were just kind of trying to create content however we could here on the Jack Vita show, CJ Rivas, who, by the way, just joined me for our NFL preview. and I'll be releasing that later this week. We counted down like these are the most disappointed, most disappointing teams of the new millennium. And. There, it seems like there's a team 
once every couple of years where they win the off season, they go out, they make the big moves. The Phillies did this a couple of years ago and they end up falling short of the playoffs. So you put, you know, high expectations and it just doesn't seem to work when you assemble a team through free agency and through trade, because some of it can be team chemistry, but also, you know, it's, spending big does not guarantee good results. I feel like that's something that Cubs fans don't really understand. I think they're thinking like, oh, you got to spend more money on this Cubs team. And it's like, look at how the Rays are doing this without much money. It's drafting and developing players. And the Padres have been very good at that. They've been very good. Uh, And this is just, I mean, the Padres are still going to be in contention next year. It's not like this is a championship or bust type of season, although it does feel as if they sort of, entered into the season with that mentality. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And it would have been more fun if they could have hung on, you know, uh, one thing that's interesting. So uh, their big acquisition was Adam Frazier, right? Uh, if I'm yeah. correct, uh, you know, solid player, like one of those batting average guys that we're talking about one of the few, um, but they also lost out on the, the Scherzer, uh, Trey Turner trade, right? They were they were right there at the finish line, and then uh, ended up going the Dodgers' way. This conversation could be totally different if they had won that trade. And so they, you know, I know we're talking about it, it's much better to build your team organically, but I think that they probably would have been able to cover up a lot of those uh, deficiencies with uh, a crazy trade like that. Now they also would be shooting their future uh, in the foot a little <laughs> bit um, by giving away top prospects, but um, the conversation could be completely different had negotiations just gone a little bit differently. Well, I could be wrong, but I remember hearing that the Padres were very close to acquiring Scherzer. I did not hear Turner's name in there with that Padres trade. I think that could have been how that thing ended up swinging over to the Dodgers because they paid a King's ransom for both those guys. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, 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 that's probably right. I do just remember Scherzer. Um, but yeah, so they, you know, they clearly have fallen on hard times. Um, you know, I, I don't think that they're going to uh, end up getting that second wild card spot. I do want to give you my spicy take for who is. Okay. I think that we're going to see the Cardinals with a what? negative, with a re- negative run differential, somehow <laughs> squeeze their way in there. Because what have we seen over the past ten years, Jack, from the Cardinals? Is they always find a way <laughs> to sneak in there. The Reds are not a team that finds a way to sneak in there. You know, they, this card, this Cardinals team. I and I like. I don't. I'm not a Cardinals fan. You know, but I have so much respect for uh, yeah. their organization and how they've been able to uh, be consistent uh, and. And make it to the playoffs and uh, play winning baseball. So, um, you know, I don't think it's necessarily the most likely outcome, but that's, I kind of just want to take a long shot pick and go with them. That is spicy indeed. Hey, Jonathan, you got like (laughs) five, 10 more minutes. You got a little more time? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Jonathan, we also need to touch on the New York Mets. The New York Mets are now 63 and 67. They did win the last couple games. They were 61 and 67. Seven games back of the wild card, seven and a half games back of the division lead. 
I I'm going to call this. I think the Mets are done. They went two and 11 over that 13 game. They had a 13 game stretch where they played the giants and the Dodgers. And I remember two weeks ago talking with Joey Ricotta and we said like, this is, this is critical for the Mets. And like Pete Alonzo even said a couple weeks back, like, Oh yeah. Like here we we're about to turn the corner. Like we're going to see what we're made of here. And they, they just got killed. And then he he was talking like the other day, he was like trying to be positive when he got asked about that to the press. And it's just like, there's really no way to walk yourself, walk that statement back and be like, Oh no, we got the month of September. It's you're seven games out of the wild card. The Mets fans were booing Javi Baez this weekend after he struck out the Mets fans were chanting fire Rojas in <laughs> reference to their manager, Luis Rojas. This is just the same. It's the same thing with a mess every year, JJ. Yeah. And it's, I, it's entertainment. It's like reality TV. <laughs> watching these yeah. guys. It's the same thing every year. Um, and there's, there's really three things that I think of. Um, and there, one of them just happened a half hour ago, or at least I saw a notification about, but the first was going back to Pete Alonzo, his quote that he said to the fans, something, you know, they're, the fans have been negative booing. And he said like, you know, hey, come on, be grateful. Just enjoy watching baseball. That's not something you can say to the New York media. And, you know, they love Pete Alonzo. But when you say something like that, it's like that is just the wrong mindset. You know, they, they want to see you take accountability uh, and they want to see you, you know, repeating the same sentiments that they're disappointed in themselves. But Alonzo just went the route of like, come on, guys, you know, you should be a little nicer. We're, we're playing baseball for you. You know, what, what more can you ask for? Well, they can ask for winning. That's what they can ask for. So that was pretty funny. Um, and then a couple of days ago, uh, you know, there was a video of that pitch that Javi Baez swung and missed that, um, missed by a good like, oh, yeah. five feet. I think it was in the like two feet in front of the plate. It's in the dirt. Um, and to me, you know, when I think of Javi Baez, you know, gets a lot of love that, you know, because he's fun to watch. But you and I, I think have talked about this a little bit. He's got to be one of the most overrated players in the game. And, and you know, when I think about him, I just think about all of these horrible swings. Um, and so seeing that was like, yeah, that's kind of the players that the Mets got. You know, he's he sells jerseys. He's awesome. He is a he is a good player, very good player. He, and he's a good guy, too. Like, yeah, he, he's a good guy. He's a fun guy. He loves the game. He's fun to watch play. Um, I honestly don't even know if he's over. Like, at the end of the season, I don't know if we can really – if we'll be able to say he's overrated anymore. Like, I think the thing for me was I would have sold my Javi Baez stock after his best year, which was 2018. That was the year he finished second in the MVP voting. And I mean, I wrote a piece earlier this year saying the Cubs should let Javi walk after this year. They should not re-sign him and give him the big money. We're seeing why. But honestly, in that piece I wrote, he really should not have finished second in the MVP voting compared to the seasons that Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, like there were a number of other guys who put together MVP caliber years and Javi's on base percentage was 320. That's you I like I said, I think there's different these are all different ingredients to a winning recipe. You got to be able to get on base. You got to hit for contact. You got to, you know, you got to slug a little bit if you want to win the MVP or unless you're, unless you're 
batting average is 370. You know, like it's, it's a, and we saw that. And I just think that, so I would have sold my stock. I actually wrote a few years ago that Cubs should have traded and sold high on him at that point. Unfortunately, they did not, but they got a really nice piece in the trade. They got Pete Crow Armstrong, PCA. I think it's a good piece. And I think, I think the world is starting to catch on to Javi is not Fernando Tatis Jr. And Fernando Tatis Jr. is now kind of, he's taken the banner of what Javi was and what he represented. And it's only a matter of time until we see if Fernando Tatis Jr. I think the real thing is the guy is the real deal when he's healthy, but he's got to stay healthy in order to be that guy. And we haven't really seen that yet in his career. He's gotten injured a lot. Yeah, those are good points. And just the last quick thing that I would say, I got this notification 45 minutes ago. Uh, it says, Mets booing back fans. Javi Baez explains team's new thumbs down celebration as a way to give fans a taste of their own medicine. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. That, that is so unbelievably uh, self-conscious and lack of confidence from a team. If When they see their booing, they need to attack their fans back and make references to it. Instead of owning up, like, we deserve these boos, you know, we're putting on a terrible performance. So I I think it's hilarious to watch. (laughs) I will enjoy watching the rest of the season. So, Yeah, and the Mets, I mean, look, I get why the fans are unhappy. They haven't won a World Series since uh, 1980, was it 86 or 86, right? Yeah, 86. And so they haven't won a World Series since 1986. They haven't made the playoffs since 2016 and after they went to the world series in 15 the expectations have been relatively high they've gone out and they've made a lot of these moves where they make they go out and they get lindor and they get javi and they've raised the expectations and every single year i mean their over under total this year was 90 and a half and i remember talking on here with albert and jordan i'm like the mets aren't going to win 90 and they're not going to win 91 games this year. It's not going to happen. I thought, hey, maybe they win like 85, but it's just, it's the same thing with the Mets every single year. All right, let's move on from the Mets. We took, we covered everything on the Mets. <laughs> We've ripped on them enough. Yeah, I'm sorry, Mets fans, but they probably, I feel like they, they probably understand. They, 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 they agree with us. We're, we're pro Met fan. We're just not pro Mets, I guess. Yeah. And I think they will be back next year, but it's not their season. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk more about the Reds next time. We didn't really give the Reds a whole lot of shine on this episode, which is unfortunate because they deserve credit for playing up and getting climbing up in the standings. Um, So next week I will be back with Andrew stem and we'll be taping that episode on a Tuesday. So that should drop Tuesday or Wednesday. That should be September 7th or 8th around then. Um, And we're going to, we're going to have a full first week of college football to cover so we're going to recap the first week of college football and then we'll get you caught up on baseball from the past week and we'll talk reds more then but jonathan college football season is upon us we had three games yesterday i don't i don't think there were really any other games we had the um hbcu game last night which those teams aren't fbs and so that wasn't a very consequential game. But then we had Illinois getting their first win with uh, Brett Bielema as their head coach and their starting quarterback, Brandon Peters, getting 
absolutely drilled. Uh, he left the game with a collarbone injury. It looks like uh, he might not be playing for a little while. Um, but good start for the Illinois season. UCLA absolutely routed the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors yesterday. Um, did you catch any college football in week zero yesterday, Jonathan? I did not. I'm a week one guy, but I did. I was reading and, you know, kind of watching uh, highlights. And um, yeah, I mean, the the thing that I kind of taken away from this as a Big Ten fan uh, is that Nebraska is just in the lowest lows right now. You know, they've had a little bit of uh, drama with uh, uh, Scott Frost. Um, you know, the I'm not exactly sure what was going down. You might be able to give a little light on that, but there was some kind of uh, controversy going on um, as far as recruiting goes. Um, and it clearly has not helped them become a good football program. Uh, you know, happy for Illinois football. Um, UCLA, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, the Pac-12 can kind of return to, uh, to, to dominance. Um, you know, I think the football world is better when the Pac-12 is producing, you know, solid teams out of, you know, specifically Washington, uh, Oregon, and USC. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, we're going to be going to a Pac-12 game later, Jack. Oh, yeah. It'll be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. We will be doing that. Uh, we're going out to an Arizona State versus Colorado game in uh, Tempe, Arizona in just a few weeks. I'm really excited. Uh, Jonathan, some big week one games, week one of college football. Um, I'll run through these. And by the way, I should announce at this time, I, I forgot to do this at the start of the episode. But Jonathan, guess what? We're going to have Tell me, Jack. A, we're going to have a pick em pool for the Jack Vita show. And you can win prizes if you win this thing. Yeah, it's I'll my, be in. I'll be in on it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, it's on my website. And you can go to jackvita.com and it's all on there, the information. And we're going to play in a pool on CBS Sports. And it'll start week one of NFL. So not week one of college football. None of these games that we're about to mention are going to count. Um, but week one of NFL from... Throughout the NFL season, every single week, submit your picks and you pick every single NFL game and the top 15 games each week for college football. So 41, no, 31 games total typically, and there'll be some bye weeks, but um, that will be CBS Sports will deem what the top 15 games are for college football. So you pick for NFL and college football combined in our pick'em pool because this is a big time. It's not just an NFL podcast. We're big on college football. So we're going to incorporate both of those. And if you follow the instructions, make sure you follow the instructions on my site. And there are some guidelines and rules in order to be eligible to compete. Basically, you got to show me that you are subscribed to this podcast and that you've left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts that you've written something. So you, you screenshot that you're subscribed and that you are that you left this review and you can subscribe on any podcast app. You can look, you can subscribe on any app. However, I will need you uh, to leave that review on Apple podcast. So you can tweet that at me at Jack Vita show or send me a DM on Facebook and Instagram, which again, at Jack Vita show. If you win, you get a spot on this podcast. You get a 
to appear on this podcast and you get 50 bucks. I'll uh, Venmo you 50 bucks. That'll be to our first place prize. And after that, there are no other prizes. Um, so you want to win this pool. Should be a lot of fun. And by the way, we're also factoring in the point spreads for these games. So it's not just an outright pick them. It's, uh, it's with the point spread. So it should be a lot of fun, JJ. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I'll tell you, Jack, I was never uh, great at following instructions. I was always the guy that would miss the easy questions on the test. However, <laughs> that seems very simple, and it seems like this is going to be a lot of fun. So I will definitely be a part of that. All right. Looking ahead to next week, and you guys are going to want to make sure you come back for that episode. We got some big matchups in college football. Penn State versus Wisconsin. Alabama versus Miami. And then, of course, the, uh, well, Indiana. You're, you're pumped for your Indiana Hoosiers playing at Iowa. at Iowa. That's a big game. We got Louisiana playing at Texas, the Raging Cajuns. Kind of kind of like the Raging Cajuns in that one. I mean, the the uh, Sun Belt absolutely whooped the Big 12 last year, went 3-0. and They won by 17 against Iowa State last year. And I, I feel like, you know, Texas is always disappointing each year. Uh, so I kind of like I kind of like UL Lafayette in that game, and then of course the big one, Georgia and Clemson, which is going to have huge college football playoff implications. Yeah, uh, I mean I'm going to be glued to my couch, so uh, <laughs> I'm very excited for that, and got to make sure that I make those right picks on uh, on the pick and pool. So let's go, <laughs> Jack. This is going to be great. Oh yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So Jonathan. Thank you so much for stopping by the Jack Vita show. Any other closing thoughts uh, you want to throw out your social media handles? You're not a social media guy. I shouldn't even ask. Yeah. I mean, you can follow me on Instagram. It's just underscore Jaggard, J-A-G-G-A-R-D. Uh, <laughs> always looking for new followers. Um, but no, thanks so much for having me, Jack. Uh, you continue to put out great content. So I'm excited for uh, for your show as the football season kicks off and we'll probably put out some content uh, when you're in town for our uh, D backs and uh, Arizona state uh, games. So. Absolutely. You know, what's funny was I'm staying five nights and then I looked, I was like, man, I should just stay six nights. I mean, that's like way overstaying my welcome. But if we, if I stayed that Monday night, which is when I'm flying back, we could go to a coyotes preseason game. Just absolute go to every athletic event in Arizona that weekend. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. We'll see if we can swing that. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, flight's uh, booked. Yeah, no, should be a lot of fun. Thanks for coming by, JJ. This was great. Thanks, Jack. All right, y'all. That does it for my conversation today with Jonathan J.J. Jagger. Great having J.J. Back on the show, perfect timing with the Yankees playing some first place caliber baseball in a division with four teams above 500, where it's really hard to move in that division. Uh, but great to get his perspective at this time. We will be back once again in a week talking more baseball, getting you caught up over the past week from the world of baseball and recapping week one of college football after that i mean we're gonna be after next week then it's nfl season so the the, the plan right now is once nfl gets going we'll have a, a football show coming out each 
Monday or Tuesday, shortly after the weekend. Some nights I'll record on Sundays. Some nights it might, or some days it might not get recorded till Monday. But it'll be a recap of the football, and then later in the week have a baseball episode. An episode dedicated entirely to baseball, and we'll be doing that throughout the postseason. And uh, yeah, really great time in the world of sports. So make sure you guys are subscribed to the Jack Vita Show and get on my newsletter. And that's on jackvita.com, of course, at Jack Vita Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Until next week, hey, happy Labor Day, everyone. I'm going out of town. I'm excited. Should be a fun time. Um, until next time, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dance of the lobsters. <laughs>